Okay. Shabbat Shalom and welcome. This is our Sabbath morning scripture study. We are pleased to be here with you today. Thank you for joining us. What a week, I have to say. Uh, It's been an incredible week. Uh, It's a week that I've been filled with exciting news breaks, as many of you probably know. Uh, On Wednesday morning, we woke up to an astonishing thing. Uh, James Tabor and I received an email from a friend in Israel, first thing, and it said, a scholar has just published a major work on Shapira. And of course, this was uh, orchestrated very well because immediately thereafter, the New York Times picked it up. Now, the New York Times isn't talking about Ross Nichols' book, but the New York Times is talking about Shapira. And uh, right after that, on the heels of that, the Daily Mail in the UK picked it up, and then it fed throughout all the media channels. So this is really, really exciting news. People are reading about it, and I think that many of you who are listening this morning have already ordered the book, but I just wanted to remind you that now it's in a whole different world. It's one thing when Ross Nichols says... Hey, I think maybe this might be authentic. Here's the whole story. I want you to read it. I want you to get the story down. But I was very, uh, I guess, cautious. And I won't give away the book, obviously. This is not morning. Saturday mornings are not about talking about the book. Other than to say, um, I was cautious in that I said, ultimately, scholars will need to decide. So, I just have to tell you, by the way, on themosesscroll.com, on themosesscroll.com, I have an author's blog, and I wrote about this, but this 217-page book is by a scholar uh, by the name of Idan Dershowitz. It's called The Valediction of Moses, a proto-biblical book. So here's an academic. Now, many of you, uh, you can download it for free. I have it on my website, so I encourage you to do that, particularly if you study Hebrew, because this is an academic book. It's not written for a wide audience, a lay audience. Uh, But bottom line is, here is a scholar who is, uh, he is uh, undergraduate and graduate training at the university, at the Hebrew University, several years of uh, yeshiva study. In 2017, Idan Dershowitz was elected to the Harvard Society of Fellows and currently is the chair of Hebrew Bible and its exegesis at the University of Potsdam in in Germany. He says Shapira's scroll was authentic and ancient, dating it back to the very earliest biblical period. So I am very, very pleased that, uh, first of all, that my book came out first, you know, because somebody might sell, he just t- he copied off of. Uh, but I want to establish a relationship with uh, uh, Mr. Don Dershowitz, and more of that is to come. So if you haven't read the book, I encourage you to do so. And this is not so much about me blowing a trumpet about my book, other than to say, <clears throat> it's a good book. The subject matter is quite incredible, and I plan not on Saturday mornings, but I plan in the very near future to begin some uh, online podcast and things like that uh, about the content of this book. But today, we are in an ongoing series called Prophet. We are in class number 15. We haven't determined yet how long this series will run, but we are still very deep into the prophets. And I'll tell you that within the larger category of the prophet series, I've started a new series. Let's call this a sub-series within the prophet series, if that's okay. And the sub-series is really about the servant in Isaiah, the servant in Isaiah. I don't want to say the servant of Isaiah because then you think I might, some might believe that I'm saying it's a servant to Isaiah. This is uh, within the book of Isaiah, 
there is quite a bit about the servant used many, many times in Isaiah. And last week I introduced the subject, and so I wanted to begin today's class with a disclaimer. I want you to understand that this series within the series, The Servant in Isaiah, is not a beginner's class. Everybody understand that? In other words, anybody is welcome. I encourage people to listen in, and I try to make things uh, understandable as best that I can. And I'm not speaking down to my audience. This audience, I mean, I know most of you study the Bible as much as I do. But I'm saying that, you know, some people might find it difficult to follow. We are going to cover things. This is going to get deep very quickly. We are covering things that most people may not know uh, because we're actually working through very methodically, very carefully, the text of Isaiah, particularly within Isaiah's second part, as scholars refer to as Deutero-Isaiah. Chapters 40 through 66, scholars have identified as a work within the broader work of Isaiah. Uh, I'm not going into a lot of detail on that. But particularly, I'm looking for texts that deal with the servant in Isaiah. And as you'll note, they primarily come in these latter chapters, 40 through 66. Um, And and I wanted to kind of tell you uh, at the outset of today's class, I mentioned it last week, that scholars have identified... Within Isaiah, particularly Deutero-Isaiah, a series of four songs called the Servant Songs. They're four poems, as some scholars put it, within the broader literature of Deutero-Isaiah. And they were first identified as such, i.e., the Servant Songs, by a German scholar in a publication in 1892. The scholar's name was Bernhard Doom. Bernhard Doom, in his book published in 1892, uh, the English translation of the title, it's published in German, the English title is The Book of Isaiah. Das Buch, The Book of Isaiah. Uh, And this particular scholar noted for the first time that we're aware of, identified these four poems, the four servant songs. And those four servant songs uh, are the following. Isaiah chapter 42, verses 1 through 4. This uh, Doom identified this as servant song number one, Isaiah 42, 1 through 4. The second servant, servant song, according to Doom, is chapter 49 of Isaiah, verses 1 through 6. The third song is chapter 50, verses 4 through 7. And the fourth song is chapter 52, verse 13 through 53, 12. The four servant songs, according to Bernhard Doom in Das Buch, the book of Isaiah. But this, ladies and gentlemen, these four pericopes, these four sections of Isaiah don't even scratch the surface when it comes to the servant in Isaiah. And I'll be showing throughout the following classes just that point. In fact, I began that last week. Last week's class, I began um, with that first servant song, Isaiah 42, verses 1 through 4. But if you listen to that class, I didn't restrict myself to those four verses. In fact, I very quickly began to pull in other passages which were tied directly through words and phrases, uh, with the language used in that first song, Isaiah 42, 1 through 4. The servant in Isaiah speaks, you hear what I'm saying, 
the servant in Isaiah speaks and is spoken to and of. So we have some text where we get the language of the servant. We get some text which describe the servant from another speaker, uh, where another speaker is speaking either to the servant or of or about the servant, right? So all of these have to be incorporated into these particular classes. Um, these all that I'm that I'm covering in these in this series, these all are found in that second part of Isaiah. And by the way, some scholars have even broken that out further. They, they consider chapters 1 through 39 of Isaiah to be uh, fairly representative of the 8th century BCE prophet, Isaiah the son of Amoz. And then they look at chapters 40 through 66. Some say this is another person altogether. It's totally different language, style, uh, and then some would even say that there are Deutero Isaiah, Trito, number three Isaiah, on and on and on and on. That's not what I'm doing here. What I'm doing is dealing with a section of text that tells us, covers uh, where the uh, servant in Isaiah speaks or is spoken to or about in the text of Isaiah. All right, enough of an introduction then. Um, I, I wanted to also say that one can only begin to comprehend this or any subject when you really, really dig and study. It, it can only be comprehended when we study the text from the words in connection with the words and on the basis of the words. So I'm not dealing in my classes with a superficial reading. I want to look at words and phrases and, and help uh, shed light on these particular uh, stories and so forth. Now, last week we covered some of the other names and descriptions uh, by which we can connect with the servant in Isaiah. You'll recall that last week I talked about uh, Jehovah's Witnesses. You know, that particular phrase is used and tied directly to the servant in Isaiah. So the servant in Isaiah is also known in Isaiah as the uh, witnesses of Jehovah, plural, witnesses of Jehovah. This particular servant in Isaiah is also known as the chosen, the elect. Both of those words in English come from the same Hebrew word, bachar, uh, Beit uh, Kafresh, and it, it has to do with this idea of being selected, chosen, elected. Uh, English translations sometimes chose, uh, throw us off. But whenever you read about uh, the servant is the elect, it's the same as reading that the servant is chosen. And we also talked a little bit about the friend of God. Because the servant, you'll recall, in Isaiah 41, 8 was referred to as God's friend. It's also in 2 Chronicles chapter 20 and verse 7. And in the New Testament book of James, uh, we, we talk about uh, the friend of God. Now, in several passages, we saw that the servant in Isaiah is clearly... No ambiguity, very clearly identified as Israel. In fact, Israel, get this, was saved to serve. Israel was saved to serve. The reason that, that God saved Israel out of Egypt from hands stronger than Israel from the mighty overlords, the Pharaoh and his officers, the reason that God did that is because he, uh, Pharaoh, had usurped and taken captive, basically, a servant that didn't belong to him. Israel had become slaved, enslaved, I should say, to Egypt, and God said, no, no. Israel is my servant. 
In fact, there are seven times in the book of Exodus and the Exodus narrative, the departure, the text which talk about the departure of Israel out of Egypt. There are seven times where the, the Hebrew says, Shalakitami, send forth my people. God tells Moses, you go tell Pharaoh, Shalakitami, send forth my people. Some translations say, let my people go, playing off of the jussive in the grammar thinking that it's sort of a request. Like, Pharaoh, if you don't mind, you could let my people go. They're my people. They're not your people. If you don't mind, would you let them go? No, it's send forth my people, and almost without exception, that phrase is followed by that they might serve me. So it shouldn't be read that they might serve me, you know, like you read it, like people read the Bible, that let my people go that they might serve me. How about this? Send forth my people that they might serve me. Not you. (laughs) You're not my boss. You're not my king. You're not my God. You're not my savior. So Israel is saved to be a servant. They are saved into servitude, if you will. Out of, some might say, out of the frying pan into the fire. Because it's a mighty task. It's a great mission with great responsibility. The children of Israel are not called and chosen and elected to be set upon a pedestal so that others might say, so that's what it looks like to be the chosen of God. No, they're chosen by God to be an example for the world. To be a model for the nations as we'll see today. Nations will look upon Israel, the specially selected and chosen and elected group, and say, my, what a wonderful and intelligent nation this is. Who has laws such as they do? And a God so close who hears them when they speak. But Israel has a task. You can't just, people shouldn't just raise their hand and say, I want the job of being God's chosen You remember the line in uh, Fiddler on the Roof. Tevye says, you know, maybe sometimes could you choose someone else? It's a job. It's a task. It's a burden. But the uh, benefits are out of this world, we might say. The elect, the chosen, that particular word in Hebrew is used in reference to this servant Six times in Deutero-Isaiah, in six times uh, Israel is called, or the servant is called, the elect, the chosen. Here are those verses for you quickly. I've got other things to cover, but I'll give them to you. I covered them in last week's class. Isaiah 42.1 says that this is the chosen, the elect. Isaiah 43.20, Isaiah 45.4. And then three verses in Isaiah 65, Isaiah 65, 9, 15, and 22. Only one of these references to the elect and the chosen, only one of the six falls within what Bernhard Doom identified as the servant songs. Why do I say it like that? Because I want you to understand, and Bernhard Doom may rest in peace. I've not studied his material very closely. I'm just saying, Bernhard, you missed a few. He didn't capture it all, uh, at least not in the sense of fully grasping the mission um, of this particular servant in Isaiah, and I am glad that he didn't, because otherwise I'd just tell you to go read his work. Now I have to tell you, you have to join me on Saturday morning so that we can really thresh this out. You can't just go to Bernhard's papers, his book, Das Book. You have to join us on Facebook or YouTube to get the whole picture. Now, our last week's class, uh, we looked at Isaiah, 
42 verses 1 through 4, but as part of that, to build that class up and to make the necessary connections with the words and in association with the words uh, and on the basis of the words, I had to bring in Isaiah 41 verses 8 through 13. That section of text contained within the white spaces has, uh, it's not listed in Das Buch, uh, in the book of Isaiah by, by Doom. Uh, it's not listed as one of the servant songs. And yet, Isaiah 41, 8 through 13 is very important to understanding the servant in Isaiah. So now today, we are going to begin servant song number two. Number two, this I feel like a, a song leader in an old church I used to go to. Open up your books uh, to song number two, Isaiah 49, Isaiah 49, and I'm going to read Isaiah 49, verses 1 through 6, the entirety of Doom's second song of Isaiah, and then... Uh, we'll break it apart. Here we go. Yeshiao, Isaiah 49, verse 1. Listen, O isles, some translations say coastlands, iyim, iyim in Hebrew. Listen, O isles, to me, and hearken, O people from far. Jehovah has called me from birth, from the bowels, some translations say, womb of my mother, has he made mention of my name. And he has made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand has he hid me and made me a polished shaft. In his quiver has he hid me and said to me, Thou art my servant Israel, in whom I will be glorified, or made beautiful. Then I said, I have labored in vain. I have spent my strength for naught, and in vain, yet surely my judgment is with Jehovah, and my reward with my God. And that is the song. That's song two. Now the question becomes... Who is speaking and to whom are they speaking? Look at, listen, O Isles, to me and hearken, O people, from far. Jehovah's called me from birth and so forth. This, ladies and gentlemen, is the voice of the servant. The servant here is speaking. Very interesting. We get a first person account uh, from the lips of the servant. Now, I want to focus on showing you the complexity uh, as I tried to do over the last several weeks and months. You're, you're a very good audience. You're a very good group of students, so you can follow this. But I want to begin to pull in themes and so forth. So the address, the, the uh, communique is to... Those in the isles, the coastlands. Well, who? You, you can't just read over that. This plays into our story. Now, as I reach into the text and I begin to unpack this, I'm not going to be able to fully explore every one of these references because what I'm going to do now is I'm going to show you this idea of coastlands, isles, and we're going to go from text to text where Isaiah. Uh, talks about this group who's scattered. Who, who is this? And, and why is it important? But I'll only read the verses. I don't have time to, to cover at all. Not in this class. We'll do that you know, in subsequent classes. So let's do this. Go with me. Hold your hand. No, you're not going to be able to hold your hand here. Forget it. Go to Isaiah 11. Isaiah 11. Now notice I'm going back prior to what is called by scholars Deutero-Isaiah. I'm not dealing with just Deutero-Isaiah. I'm going to an early part of Isaiah. Isaiah 11 is considered by many 
to be one of the chief messianic. They call this messianic uh, passages, but the Messiah is not mentioned in there, but just for your notes. Now, look at Isaiah 11, 11, easy to remember. And it shall, by the way, the white space begins at 11, 11. And so I'm opening uh, this class here. And it shall come to pass in that day that Jehovah, uh, I'm sorry, the English uh, says Lord in all caps, but that's not what it says in Hebrew. It's Adonai. Uh, In that day, Adonai shall set his hand again the second time to recover the remnant of his people uh, that shall be left from Ashur, from Mitzrayim, from Patros, from Cush, from Elam, from Shinar, from Hamat, and from the islands of the sea or the coastlands. Right, depending on your translation. So here we have, remember in Isaiah 49, it mentioned the coastlands. Well, notice this particular passage, which deals somehow with a second. Notice uh, he will, Adonai will uh, set his hand uh, again the second time to recover the remnant. One of the places where the remnant is, who is the remnant? Well, it's the remnant of his people, okay? So it has to do with the remnant of his people. Where are the remnant of his people? Well, they're in, it says, they're left over in Ashur, Mitzrayim, Patros, Kush, Elam, Shinar, Hamat, and the islands of the sea. So the servant's mission might tie in. You see, we have to look at this. This is, uh, this is important. Okay, go with me to Isaiah 41. I want to quickly go through these because I have a lot to cover today. And uh, I want to get you out of here so that uh, you can start your... Some of you had to go back to work Monday, so uh, I don't want to keep you throughout the weekend. 41.1, keep silence, by the way, the white space begins right before this verse. Keep silence before me, O islands, Eim, Eim is the coastlands or islands, and let the people renew their strength. Let them come near, then let them speak. Let us come near together to judgment. Who raised up one from the east whom righteousness met wherever he set his foot, gave the nations before him, made him rule over kings. His sword makes them as dust. His bow is driven stubble. I don't even have time to unpack this. All I want you to notice is that whoever this is talking to uh, or about in this case, it has to do with uh, be quiet, you, O islands. Okay, in other words, listen up. Something's coming to the islands, to the coastlands, to the isles, okay? Now, uh, by the way, the white space, this pericope is contained between Isaiah 41.1 and Isaiah 41.7. We don't have time to read it all, but there's a white space after 7, and then verse 8 picks up this way. Listen. But you, Israel, are my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, the seed of Abraham, my friend. You, whom I have taken from the ends of the earth. You see that? We covered that last week. So we're dealing in context, in the broader context, with a, uh, a call, if you will, to the isles of the sea, the im, im, im. Call to the isles, be silent, listen. And then we're talking about the servant. So this is related. We have to really study all of this out. Look at Isaiah 42. Isaiah 42. We talked about Isaiah 42 last week. You should have all these memorized. Isaiah 42, 4. Notice I'm just skipping right to 4. But the white spaces, the servant song number 1 is Isaiah 42, 1 through 4. Okay, I'm going to just, it begins, verse 1, Behold my servant, whom I uphold, my elect, and so forth. Verse 4, He shall not fail, nor be discouraged, till he have set judgment in the earth, and the isles, or the coastlands, shall wait 
for his Torah. Isaiah is talking about here, or someone is talking about, uh, the isles, the, the coastlands of the sea. You know, it's, I want you to imagine they're like this. They're just waiting. What are they waiting for? The servant's Torah. What, what is that? It's not our class today, but that's okay. All right, so look down at verse 10, next, next uh, white space. Um, I'm going to read verse 10 through 13. Sing to Jehovah, sing to Jehovah, uh, Shir Chadash, a new song, and his praise from the end of the earth. You that go down to the sea and all that is therein, the isles, the coastlands and their inhabitants. Let the wilderness and its cities lift up their voice, the villages that Kedar inhabits. Let the inhabitants of Selah sing. Let them shout from the top of the mountains. Let them give glory to Jehovah. Declare his praise in the islands. Jehovah will go forth as a mighty man. Interesting phrase. He shall stir up ardor like a man of war. Another interesting passage. He shall cry, indeed, roar. Who? He shall show himself mighty against his foes, white space. We're dealing with whatever, whoever the messenger is, whatever the message is, it must reach a particular group, whoever that might be, who are inhabiting the isles or the coastlands of the sea. And this has to do with the servant and the task of the servant and the mission of the servant and the message of the servant. Everything. People can read. You can't, why would you skip over the word coastlands? You see, this is my point, but I'm not finished yet. Go to Isaiah 51. Isaiah 51.4. And I know people are excited. They want to jump ahead. I'm not looking. I can't keep up with the screen. But we're going through these in a particular order. So stay with me. Isaiah 51. Verse 5, actually, the white space begins at verse 4, so let me go ahead and read that. Hearken to me, my people, and give ear to me, O my nation, for Torah shall proceed from me, and I will make judgment, uh, and I will make my judgment suddenly for a light of the peoples. A light of the peoples. This should be if you underline in your Bible and you use a nice thin red and blue pencil. You use maybe a, a ruler so you don't do it sloppily, but not uh, never use a... Anyway, but if you underline that phrase, for a light of the peoples. Now, here we go. Verse 5, my righteousness is near, my salvation has gone forth, my arms shall judge the peoples, isles, coastlands, Eim, uh, Eim shall wait upon me, and on my arm shall they trust. Now, arm is a whole other subject. We're not even touching that. But you see that the isles, what are the isles doing? They're waiting They're waiting, they're waiting. They're waiting for me, it says here. They're waiting for the Torah that's going. And he says, this passage in Isaiah 51.4 says that a Torah will go forth from me. So could the speaker here be the one that is talked about previously where it says the isles wait for my Torah? Here it says a Torah will go forth from me and we have the isles waiting. Do you see the connecting words and phrases, okay? This is why you study uh, the text from the words in connection with the words and on the basis of the words because you can never, ever, ever, ever identify who the servant is if you only look at, oh, I think this sounds like so-and-so. We're going to go through some passages you're going to see and you're going to go, oh, that does sound like so-and-so. You know, because it's got that one piece of uh, connecting that connects me to here. Be careful. Be careful. We're talking about the word of Jehovah through the prophet. We need to be very cautious in our application of interpretation. We have to make sure that it fits. If it doesn't fit, 
and you try to squeeze it in. You ever put together a puzzle and you, you know, you start, what do you do with a puzzle? You start, you should, I don't know how you do a puzzle, but I start with the edges. It's the easiest. You get the edges. Let's get the edges put together. And then, and you look at the box. You have to look at the box, right? If there's a picture, you want to look at it and say, ah, I see a concentration, a lot of blue up in this left-hand corner. I'm going to start putting those pieces in the upper left. They're easy to find then. This only works if you're doing it with adults. I work puzzles with children too, and it's not quite as easy. But, uh, but you're all adults. So you, you, you begin to put things in compartments, if you will. It's what I'm doing with the servant. The servant in Isaiah, I'm beginning to say, okay, we have the Isles of the Sea. We need to get that kind of, let's put those pieces. You, you don't, you can sometimes take a piece and it almost fits, but it doesn't fit. It either does or it doesn't. If it doesn't, quit pushing it. Just set it aside. You'll find it later. That's what we're doing. Okay. Sorry. Isaiah 59. Go to Isaiah 59. We're still talking about the Isles of the Sea. 59. Most people don't pull this apart like this. Isaiah 59. Now, by the way, it's hard for me not to read the whole text to you because I know these texts and I know there are things that I want to talk about, but I'm trying to stay focused. But just as an example, look at verse 17. No, look at verse 16. Okay, that's all I'm doing, 16. (laughs) And he saw that there was no man and was astonished that there was no intercessor. Therefore, his arm, very key, brought salvation to him, and his righteousness, it sustained him. For he put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation upon his head. And he put on the garments of vengeance for clothing and was clad with zeal as a cloak. According to their deeds, so will he repay fury to his adversaries, recompense to his enemies, to the isles or the coastlands, right? He will repay recompense. Now, there's something about these aisles. What, why would he be bringing recompense to those in the aisles? Could it be that somehow some of his people are enslaved or whatever or, or held in the aisles of the sea in these remote places and somehow there needs to be a recompense and a reckoning, Okay, well, I don't know. We'll just put that puzzle piece here for right now. Look at chapter 60, chapter 60 and verse 9. Uh, Let's go to 8. Who are these that fly as a cloud? Who are these who fly as a cloud and as the doves to their windows? Surely the isles shall wait for me. Does that sound like a familiar phrase? Have we heard that before, like three times today? Surely the isles shall wait for me. I wonder who's speaking here. And the ships of Tarshish first to bring thy sons from far, their silver and their gold with them, to the name of Jehovah your God and to the Holy One of Israel, because he has glorified you. And the sons of strangers will build up your walls. Okay. So here again... We, the prophet or someone is speaking who, who looks up. Notice he says, who are these who fly? Is he, is he seeing, you know, is this some kind of rapture, some kind of, uh, who, who are these who fly on the clouds uh, or, or fly as a cloud and as the doves to their windows? Isles are waiting. Okay, look at chapter 66, uh, last passage that I have on the isles, and then we're going to get deep. And I will set a sign among them, and I will send those that escape of them to the nations, to Tarshish, Pool, and Lud, that draw the bow to Tuval and Yavan, to the distant islands that have not heard my fame and have not seen my glory, and they shall declare my glory among the nations, and they shall bring 
all your brethren out of all the nations for an offering to Jehovah upon horses and chariots, litters, mules, fleets of camels to my holy mountain, says Jehovah, and so forth. So the idea is that a message goes forth to the isles. The isles, by the way, are waiting on this message. The Torah will go forth to the isles, to those in the isles who are waiting for that Torah. And a message of recompense and so forth. There seems to be a group who is in the Iyim, the Isles of the Sea. They're, they're in the most extreme parts of the planet, really. Now, go back with me to Isaiah 49. Isaiah 49, in verse 1. Listen, O isles, to me, and hearken, O people from far. Jehovah has called me from birth. From the bowels of my mother has he made mention of my name. Now, who is speaking here? Uh, Some scholars have put forward the idea that the writer of Deutero-Isaiah is Jeremiah. You know, because Jeremiah talks about this in Jeremiah chapter 1, how he, he knew him before he was born, see? So some do that with this particular text. We have to ask, does that fit throughout? So what we're going to look at now is Jehovah has called me from birth, or from, uh, in Hebrew, betin is uh, like belly, the belly. There's another word for womb, womb, but uh, it's it's basically the womb. So, mibetin is uh, from the womb. Um, let's look at a few passages because we want to identify who is this, who is this who says he's been called from. Birth or from the bowels of my mother, he's mentioned my name. Who is that? Right? Um, Now, look with me to Isaiah 44. Isaiah 44. And verse uh, 2. Let me just start 2. Verse 2, I'm looking... Thus says Jehovah that made you and formed you from the womb. Same Hebrew phrase. Again, remember when I mentioned that, that uh, some mentioned Jeremiah in this context. Does it use the same word here? Does it use the same language? That's a whole nother class. I'm not going there. But look, what I want you to do is go back to the white space in verse 1. Yet now hear, O Jacob, my servant, and Israel, whom I have chosen. Thus says Jehovah, that made you and formed you from the womb. By the way, in Hebrew, it's uh, our same phrase, mibetin, from the womb. Who will help you? Fear not, O Jacob, my servant, and you, Jeshurun, whom I have chosen. Hmm. Again, I'm not going to continue this passage. It runs through verse 4, and it talks about how uh, God will put his spirit on this particular group. What particular group? Israel. Who is, who is it that God called from the womb, from the bowels of the mother? Well, at least here, it's Israel. Jacob, my servant. You see, it's very clear. No ambiguity. Jacob, my servant. Israel, whom I've chosen, uh, he formed you from the womb. Very clear. No, there's, you can't squeeze in another. The pieces have to fit the puzzle. You might have the right puzzle, but you got the piece in the wrong place, okay? Now look down at verse 24. 24, white space, begins right before 24. Thus says Jehovah, your Redeemer, and he that formed you from the womb. Hmm, who is this talking about? Well, 
Isaiah 44 earlier was talking about Israel and Jacob. Let's go back to verse 21. Remember these, O Jacob and Israel, you are my servant. I have formed you. You are my own servant. O Israel, you shall not be forgotten by me. I have blotted out as a thick cloud your transgressions. You see that? In fact, uh, now we'll look at it in a minute. Now let's go ahead. <laughs> uh, your transgressions as a cloud, your sins, return to me, for I have redeemed you. Sing, O heavens, for Jehovah has done it. Shout, you lower parts of the earth. Break forth into singing, you mountains, O forest, and every tree in it. For Jehovah has redeemed Jacob and glorified himself in Israel. Break. And then it says, thus says Jehovah, your Redeemer, and he that formed you from the womb. Who's it talking about? Okay, that's two for two. Now look at chapter 46. Chapter 46 and verse 3, beginning at the white space. Hearken to me, O house of Jacob, and all the remnant of the house of Israel, who were born by me, born, like lifted up by me, from birth. You know what it says in Hebrew? Nibetan. It's from the womb who are carried from the womb, and even to your old age, I am the same, and even to whore hairs will I carry you. I have made, and I will bear, and I will carry, and I will deliver you, white space. Again, who is it that God has called from the womb, special task, special mission, clearly named Israel, Jacob, my servant? I'm, I'm beginning to think, I'm holding in my hand a piece of the puzzle that is often tried to fit into another place on the puzzle. I think I'm getting close. You feel it? You feel like this is getting closer? Look at chapter 48, uh, Isaiah 48 and verse 8. 48, 8. Yeah, let's see. You did neither hear nor know, nor from old was your ear open. For I knew that you would deal very treacherously and was called a transgressor from birth. Again, this is a phrase that is uh, the exact same, uh, me betten. But look back up at verse 1 of chapter 48. Let's see who this is addressed to. Hear this, O house of Jacob, who are called by the name of Israel. Let's see how specific we can get. And are come forth out of the waters of Judah who swear by the name of Jehovah and make mention of the God of Israel, but not in truth nor in righteousness, for they call themselves of the holy city, stay themselves upon the God of Israel. Jehovah of hosts is his name. All right, point made. Isaiah 44.2, uh, go back to that for just a moment. I want to pick up one thing. 44.2, I have chosen you, thus says Jehovah that made you and formed you from the womb. Talking about Jacob, my servant, Israel, whom I have chosen. Uh, formed you from the womb, who will help you. Fear not, O Jacob, my servant, and you, Yeshurun, whom I have chosen. Who is Yeshurun? This word, this name... This designation only occurs four times in the Bible. English generally says, Jeshurun, with a J. That's okay. Jeshurun. Who is Jeshurun? Well, it only occurs three other places, and all three of which, I want everybody, not here because they'll hear you, but in your home, where do you think Ross is going to say it only occurs in one book of the Pentateuch, only one book of our Torah, it occurs in? They're all whispering Deuteronomy. Yeah, good guess, Deuteronomy. Only Deuteronomy knows about Jeshurun. I wonder why. Read the New York Times. Read my book. Okay, go to Deuteronomy 32, please. Deuteronomy 32. And verse 15, Deuteronomy 32, 15. Um, uh, this is part of a poem, right? But Jeshurun grew fat 
and kicked. You art grown fat. You are become thick. You're covered with fatness. Then he forsook God who made him and lightly esteemed the rock of his salvation. Who is Jeshurun? Huh. Look at chapter 33 of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 33. And I want to go to verse 5. Uh, Let's go to verse 4. Moses commanded us a Torah, the inheritance of the congregation of Jacob, and he was king in Jeshurun when the heads of the people and the tribes of Israel were gathered together. Who is Jeshurun? King in Jeshurun? Huh, never heard of such a thing. Look at verse 26. There is none like the God of Jeshurun or Yeshurun who rides upon the heavens to your help and in his excellency on the clouds, the eternal God is a dwelling place and so forth. Yeshurun is a poetic name for Israel. In Hebrew, the root of Yeshurun is Yashar. And it means upright. It's, it's upright, like righteous, you know, upright, yashar. And um, so it's, it's almost, as you read these verses, the one who is to be the model, the one who is to be uh, the, the one that nations are supposed to look at and get the way of God, you know, you're supposed to be the upright one, you know. I once saw a thing, uh, Israel, you know, Israel's called God's son. And I once saw this uh, woman, it was a a meme actually on Facebook, and this woman uh, posted this on her son's wall. I thought it was beautiful. She said, I don't call you son because you shine. I call you son because you're mine. You know, it's the idea that even if, Israel does not do its best job every day. The gifts and calling of God are without repentance. You can't take that back. God said, you are mine. Of all the nations, you are mine. You're my servant. You're my chosen. You are my beloved. You will set the example. And they will. And in many ways, they have. As we'll see. Yeshurun is about Israel. Now go back to Isaiah 49. Isaiah 49. Because we're only in verse 2. Isaiah 49. And verse 2 says... Listen, O Isles, verse 1, listen, O Isles, to me, hearken, O people from afar. Jehovah's called me from birth, from the bowels of my mother, has he made mention of my name, and he has made my mouth like a sharp sword, like a sharp sword. Go, uh, go to Isaiah 11. I've got to move quickly. Isaiah 11, uh, look at verse 4. I just want to make a side point here. Um, uh, let's see, I have to look at the Hebrew to see where the verse begins. And um, uh, let's see, verse 4. Okay, with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked. I just want to make a note here. This is a possible puzzle piece. I really know it's more than that, but just as your notes go. Uh, Isaiah 49, 2 says that he's made mouth like a sharp sword. And here we see that the mouth of this figure is what will bring about uh, the battle. Now, what does that tell you? This is not a warrior king, so to speak, but the one wages war with his words. You see that? A rod of the mouth, a sword of the mouth. It's the, the, the whoever is being spoken of here, it's the words, the words that will slay 
uh, will smite the earth with the rod of his mouth and the breath of his lips shall slay the wicked. Get that? It's words. Okay. Now, go with me. Uh, in Isaiah 49, it says, uh, after uh, that same verse, verse 2, mouth like a sharp sword, in the shadow of his hand has he hid me. The shadow of his hand is only used in one other text in all the Bible. Guess what? It's in Isaiah. Go look at Isaiah 51, verse 16. And I have put my words in your mouth, and I have covered you in the shadow of my hand, that I might plant the heavens. You ought to take a note here. Isaiah 51, 16 is talking about planting the kingdom of heaven on earth. I will plant the heavens and lay the foundations of the earth and say to Zion, you are my people. Very interesting. And by the way, if you read in context, you will see who this is talking about, but I just wanted to connect the shadow of the hand here in Isaiah 51, 16, who will be protected, who has a mission to plant the kingdom of God on earth. Also with Isaiah 49, which is clearly the servant, which is Israel and so forth. So far, Isaiah 49, 3. Uh, In the shadow of his hand has he hid me and made me a polished shaft. In his quiver has he hid me and said to me, this is the speaker, you are my servant, Israel. Boy, that's pretty clear there, isn't it? You know, I can hear somebody say, well, technically it doesn't mean Israel. Well, it looks like it does. In whom I will be glorified. Then I said, now who is speaking? This is Israel speaking. This is the servant speaking. I have labored in vain. I've spent my strength for naught in vain. Yet surely my judgment is with Jehovah and my reward with my God. All right. It says, he said to me, he said to me. So this is first person. Again, this is the, this is the servant speaking. My servant are you. This is, so the servant is saying, he heard God say, you're my servant. In Hebrew, avdiata, avdiata, avdiata. I, my servant, my servant are you. The servant says he hears God say, my servant are you. Avdiata. Where is Avdiata found in the Bible? It's all in Isaiah. Uh, three times, all in this second part of Isaiah. One is here, 49.3. Go back to Isaiah 41. Isaiah 41 and verse 9. Wait, look at verse 8. Isaiah 41.8. But you, Israel, are my servant... Jacob, whom I have chosen, the seed of Abraham, my friend, you whom I have taken from the ends of the earth and called thee from its farthest corners and said to you, Avdiata, Avdiata, my servant are you. Who's talking? Who's it? Who's it? It's Israel. Okay. But some of you might be hard to convince. Go to Isaiah 44, Isaiah 44, verse 21. And I'm going to read 21 through 23 again, because I don't think you were listening earlier. You were playing. Remember these, O Jacob and Israel, you are my servant. You are my servant is Avdiata. You are my servant. I have formed you. You are my own servant. O Israel, you shall not be forgotten by me. I have blotted out as a thick cloud. Your transgression is in a cloud Your sins return to me, for I have redeemed you. Sing, O heavens, for Jehovah has done it. Shout, you lower parts of the earth. Break forth into singing, you mountains, O forest, and every tree in it. For Jehovah has redeemed Jacob and glorified himself in Israel. Avdiata, you are my servant. Go back to chapter 49. Chapter 49 and verse 4. You are my servant, 
Israel, in whom I will be glorified. Gee, we just read that. Then I said, I have labored in vain. I've spent my strength for naught and in vain, yet surely my judgment is with Jehovah and my reward is with my God. All right. Where it says, I have labored in vain. This is a servant. The servant feels as if all is for naught. Born the heat of the day. You know, just what good did it do? Looking back, what what did that benefit me? You know, sometimes people get like that. You're like, I, I've been good. I've done the right thing. And, you know, what did that do? Now, 49... Uh, where it says labored in vain, in Hebrew, that word is the same word that's translated elsewhere in Hebrew as wearied. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. It's it, Isaiah, write these for your notes because I'm not going into them today, but Isaiah chapter 40, verse 30 and 31, that deals with uh, they shall walk and not grow weary and so forth. That, that is the same Who's it talking about there? It's talking about the same one it's talking about here. The one who says, I'm wearied. Uh, Isaiah 43, verse 22 through 28, cover the same idea about the weariness of the labor involved in being the servant. In Isaiah 65, verse 23, same thing. The reason I give you those is because I want to keep pushing forward. I have a couple other things I have to cover. In Isaiah 49, 4, part B, where it says, uh, my reward uh, or my recompense with my God, you know, this idea here, that's mentioned uh, in three places, all in Deuteronomy, uh, I'm sorry, all in Deutero-Isaiah as well. This idea of recompense, Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 10. Isaiah 49 and verse 4. And let me let me show you one of them. Go to Isaiah 62, 11. Now you've you've seen this verse before because we covered it in a previous class. 62:11. Behold, uh, Jehovah has proclaimed to the end of the world, saying to the daughter of Zion. Behold, your salvation comes. Behold, his reward is with him and his wages before him. You'll see that phrase again. All right. Now, Isaiah 49, 5. Now you have to pay attention. Up to this point, we've looked at case after case after case and verse after verse after verse which clearly say Israel Jacob you're my chosen you're my servant you're the and that's true abdiata however Isaiah 49:5 pay attention and now, Vata Amar Yehovah, and now says Jehovah that formed me from the womb. So whoever is speaking, get this, to be his servant to bring back Jacob to him that Israel should be gathered to him. And I was honored in the eyes of Jehovah, and my God was my strength. And he said, Is it too slight a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved of Israel? I also give thee for a light to the nations that my salvation may be to the end of the earth. And the question becomes, who is this? Jacob and Israel are the servant called from the womb. 
to be his servant. Of thee I tie, you are my servant and my chosen. And here we have the servant speaking and the servant realizes that he's been called from the womb to be that servant with the task of bringing Jacob back to him and bringing Israel back. But wait a minute. I thought the servant was Israel. I thought the servant was Jacob. So who is this? Musay. Who is this? Who is this who is to be my servant to raise up the tribes of Israel to cause to return uh, the what are called the uh, Netzirei of Israel, the Netzer, Netzer, what does that mean? In fact, in the Hebrew text, there's a correction by the scribes. The root word Netzer, uh, it depends, you know, it could mean to keep or to watch or to guard, you know, but it could also, remember in Isaiah, a branch, a Netzer, who are these Netzerim? Anyway, what we have now introduced is something very interesting, which I'm going to uh, not go deeply into today because I want to get one other point in. If you look at 49.6b, it says, I will also give you for a light to the nations is what the English says. It's really a light of nations. I will give or put you for a light, Laor Goy. Uh, and, and so the idea, the idea is a light to the nations, not, not to the nations, a light of nations. And this group, it seems, is to be as my salvation under the ends of the earth. Huh. End of the song. End of song two. But it's not the end of the story about the servant. Because all this time, Isaiah 42, 1 through 4, Isaiah 41, verses 8 through 13, uh, Isaiah 44, which we've covered in the past two classes, Isaiah 49, verses 1 through 5, seem to say the same thing. But when you get to Isaiah 49, 5, Isaiah 49, 5, you get an interesting twist in the story. Now, we thought we had it fit. In fact, I was beginning to push that piece into place like it fit perfectly. And then I read this. Whoever this is, in Isaiah 49, 5, and 6, it's their job, the servant, to bring back the servant. Now we've got a servant within the servant. Question is, who is that whose job? Yes, he's Israel, but he's also got to bring back Israel. Much, much, much does this create a big question mark. And I'm going to get into that, but not today. To get the rest of the story, you need to join us next Saturday morning at 10.30 a.m. Central Time as we continue our study of the servant in Isaiah. God bless you. Shabbat Shalom and Shavua Tov. See you next week.